0: on today's episode i chatted with a personal wealth coach to talk about why he invests his own money in pre-construction condos stay tuned
1: welcome to the true True Condos condos podcast with andrew lafleur the place to get the truth on the toronto condo market and condo investing in toronto
0: hi there and welcome back to the show thanks again for tuning in as always your host here andrew lafleur from truecondos.com if you ever want to get a hold of me by the way just give me a call text me 416-371-2333 or you can always send me an email andrew at truecondos.com the website of course is truecondos.com forward slash podcast that's where you're going to find the show notes for this and all episodes of the podcast so in this episode, I had a chance to sit down and chat with a new friend of mine. His name is Brian Bogart, and he's a personal wealth coach. His company is called Next Level Success Coaching, and he's developed this practice over years of basically teaching people how to grow their wealth and how to invest their money and um, understanding money, and again, that, that's something that we uh, share in common as a that we believe so strongly in education, financial education, literacy. It's something that's missing so much from society in general, but specifically in our education system, and it's something that uh, so many people struggle, struggle with, and it's, uh, it's a huge motivator uh, for me and what I do with this podcast in helping people invest in pre-construction condos and for Brian with his business uh, as a personal wealth coach. He's been a very successful investor personally, and recently he has actually started his own course, an online course, where he teaches people how to invest in condos as well. So he'll talk about that too. And uh, yeah, once again, here is my interview with Brian Bogart, personal wealth coach. I hope you enjoy. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How's it going? Great. Thanks for uh, doing this. Appreciate it. Looking Uh, forward to, uh, to chatting with you here.
1: I'm so happy uh, to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so we've gotten to know each other a little bit lately and uh, we have a lot in common. So yeah, really excited to to jump into this and, and share your story and your insights with, uh, with the audience here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, a little bit about your background. Um, tell us, I guess, what you do exactly. Um, you're a wealth coach. What does that mean? What do you do? And, you know, more importantly, why do you do this why do you do what you do what drives you
1: yeah absolutely so you know I love showing others what I've learned and helping them create the results that I've created it's it's honestly my happy place in life it's always helped um, make me feel better about my own struggles when I can then utilize those to share and, and help somebody else in the future um I've I've jokingly been referring to myself lately as Morpheus from The Matrix, uh, flying around looking for the One so I can set them free, help them reach their positive potential in life, and you know obviously money and building wealth and investing is is uh, um, an entry level into freedom. There's lots of different types of freedom, but financial freedom is a pretty sexy one, one that a lot of people are interested in. And it often creates a lot of the other freedoms that we can then uh, start to investigate. So, um, you know, I'm all about empowering and educating clients, uh, specifically around money and investing, and teaching them how to be successful investors. Because I think a lot of people out there don't have a clue how to actually be an investor, how to invest, and that keeps them stuck and on on the sidelines. And so they don't take any action around it. And from what I can tell, the banks and the financial institutions are quite happy to keep you ignorant because then you don't ask any questions and then you don't even know, like, you know, you have to take their advice because you don't even know what to ask about. So um, I've, I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are doing really well in their jobs. And I'm clear that when I reduce that money stress and eliminate uh, you know, the, the time and the energy that goes into that stress about money, that then frees up time and energy for them to start to share their gifts with the world and, and change it in a positive way, which through transitive property means I'm changing the world in a positive way. So that's, that's you know, kind of my why, what, what gets me out of bed and, and gets me doing this sort of stuff. And obviously that's, you know, been a lot of trial and error over the years to get there.
0: So, I mean, take us back a little bit, like what, what were you doing before you were a wealth coach? Like what, uh, were you always an investor and interested in investing or like what's, how did you get to, to no. this point where you're, you, you have been a very successful investor in a lot of different areas and now you're, you're coaching people with it. Like what, were you born this way or yeah. <laughs> what's your, what was the journey to sort of, to get you here? beforehand well,
1: I, I do uh, I do joke with my mom like was the milkman uh, real estate investor because uh, my family was not entrepreneurial my family was not into investing my dad worked for the government my, my mom just kind of did part-time jobs they were very much the, the classic middle-class family um, but I've always been a lifelong learner and I've been very curious about you know how things work and why certain people are successful and and and, and happiness and satisfaction and I didn't have those things. I was in the corporate world, um, and I had a great job. I was making good money, had a good health plan—you know, all the stuff you're supposed to be striving for—and I was just super unhappy and depressed. And um, so, about you know, 17, 18 years ago, I was desperately searching for an alternative. There had to be something else. And like I said, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family, so I didn't really know about this whole like, oh, go start your own business. And it turned out that um, the guy I was sitting beside at work was investing in real estate properties. In I was living in Calgary at the time. And um, so I started going out for lunch with him and picking his brain and finding out what he was doing. And then we did a property together. And of course, I had just read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I said, hey, uh, Rich Dad says we should start a company and start getting other people involved because there's probably lots of people out there that want to learn this stuff and we can partner with them. And he said, look, Brian, if you wanna deal with the people, I'll deal with the properties. He was a bit of an introvert. And uh, so that's what we did. We literally started our company about uh, 16, 17 years ago together. And um, we started sharing with other people and partnering with them to get them invested in real estate. And um, you know, we had a goal uh, we wanted to do 100 units. We did 25, but the Calgary market took off, uh, much like Toronto's did a few years ago. So our 25 units did uh, better than we were estimating for 100. So four years later, in around 2008, uh, we went to our partners and said, we think now's the time to liquidate the, 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 You know, the writings on the wall, that things aren't going to stay wonderful forever. They trusted us. And we both left our, uh, uh, you know, from doing that and, and uh, uh, selling those properties, we both were able to leave the corporate world. So I, I like to say I retired when I was 37 years old uh, and um, haven't looked back. Uh, after that, I got more and more into investing. I moved out here to Toronto, kind of tried my hand a little bit at some businesses, but um, uh, investing was still my passion. And then finally, uh, five years ago, five or six years ago, people were like, "Why are you not like teaching people about what you know about investing? Why why aren't you coaching people?" And so I decided, yeah, why not? Why aren't I? And so I started my uh, my coaching practice, Next Level Success Coaching, um, and I've been doing that ever since, and I absolutely love it. It it, it you know brings me a lot of pleasure. Plus. I create a community of, of other investors by doing this. And and some of my partners have become, or or some of my clients, I should say, have become my, uh, my investment partners. So I'm creating a community at the same time of like-minded people, which is uh, uh, really exciting as well.
0: So do you, do you just do like real estate is real estate, the only uh, avenue that you sort of coach people in, in terms of wealth creation or. Is it just one of the areas?
1: It's it's one of the areas. I mean, the truth is the foundational concepts that I've learned about investing over the past you know, 15, 16 years are applicable to pretty much any kind of investing. And that's the thing that I was actually the most interested in. Is like what makes a successful investor, or, or or just what even creates success versus not? It's it's kind of like again, if you looked in the business world, how is it that some people can start multiple different types of businesses in all sorts of different industries and and you know go and create fifty million dollar companies uh, like a like a Gary Vaynerchuk or something like that, right? And it's because he understands foundational concepts for building a business. And and that's what I've learned and then I'm teaching to my clients is foundational concepts about investing. Now, personally, I just find that real estate investing ticks all the boxes of those foundational concepts that I'm teaching people. So that's why I continue to be a real estate investor, but I don't force that on anybody. They They can go off and do any kind of investing they want. I do find that most of the people that reach out to me, though, you know, they, they obviously resonate with the real estate investing. They've wanted to get into it or they've they've dabbled a little bit and they want to learn about other concepts. So that's usually the people that are attracted to me. But it certainly doesn't have to be that.
0: What are what are the things what are the fundamental obstacles like you're coaching people all the time in this area now for a number of years? So what are the fundamental obstacles that you see that people are facing that you're talking to? That's holding them back from investing in real estate specifically.
1: Great question. So I think there's a fundamental thing. Well, I don't think I know because I've read tons of articles about this. I know there is a fundamental obstacle that keeps Canadians from investing, period, never mind in real estate. And that's a fear of losing the money that they have now. Okay, so it's, it's, it's been a decade since the crash, but it may as well have happened last month Canadians are still petrified of, you know, uh, losing their savings, right? Because they went through that crash and they know what that feels like. And they heard about everything that happened in the U.S. And then the other thing is most Canadians, the bulk of their money is tied up in their principal residence. And, you know, they're being told, oh, pay off your mortgage, get rid of that as fast as possible. That's going to be your nest egg. But it's like, Well, if you're going to live off of that nest egg one day, you're going to have to access that money and do something with it to create cash flow. So instead of waiting another 20 years, why don't you learn how to do that now and start accessing that money now and build even more additional wealth. But there again, it goes right back to that, but I'm afraid of losing that nest egg, the money that I've built up in my house. So that's a huge factor that I find with people. And it's one of the the earlier things that I address with folks is how do you protect capital? How do you evaluate investments and raise the chances of keeping the capital that you have or being able to at least get the money back that you started with? It's a concept that was taught to me by my mentors, which when I heard it, I was like, well, that changes everything. And so that's something that I'm passing on to, um, to, to, to my clients, to, to, you know, people that I speak with. Now, I want to be clear. You'll notice I did not use the word guarantee. I used the word protect, okay? We can't account for everything, nor should you try, but it turns out that there are tons of things in our control that we can do to raise the chances, you know, up to 95%, 97% of being able to protect our capital. And then we also talk about protecting ROI. So if they say you're going to make 10%, can I up the chances of actually making that 10%? And then there's also protecting exit strategy, which means you know, how do I actually get my money out at the end and is there anything I can do to, again, raise the chances of being able to get that money when they said I was gonna be able to get that money. So, so that's an example of those foundational pieces that I've learned, I practice. It's the first three questions I ask of every single investment that comes across my desk. And I'm showing other people how I do that. Now, specifically, you know, with with you and I and what we've been talking about is how do you do that with pre-con condos, right? Is there ways to protect your capital, protect your ROI and protect your exit strategy, investing in pre-construction condos? And the answer is yes. And so I'm showing people what I've done around that as well.
0: Yeah. So on that note, um, why don't you share a little bit, share your specific story with respect to the condo market in Toronto. You said you, you started off in Calgary. You, you, um, you dove right in and you had, you had some big successes, uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago. Talk to us about your experience with the Toronto condo market. What, um, what have you done? What strategies have you employed? What, um, what have you learned? What are the, you know, what, what mistakes did you make, you know, take us, uh, take us, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your journey specifically with respect to investing in Toronto condos.
1: Yeah. Um, so when I, when I moved here about, uh, about 12 and a half years ago, I still owned physical uh, rental properties in Alberta and I moved here to Ontario and I started, you know, getting into the Ontario market and meeting people and joining groups and all that. And one of the things that became clear to me right from the very beginning is the medieval landlord and tenant laws that Ontario has that are absolutely weighted uh, uh, towards the tenant. And so, uh, you know,
0: this ain't Alberta out here. No,
1: it's it's not. (laughs) And I mean, it was bad enough in Alberta. I I, was held hostage a couple of times by tenants and had to deal with that. And then I came to Ontario and went, oh, my God, it's even worse here um it's one of the worst i think ontario manitoba and california are listed as the three worst places to be a landlord in north america
0: from so, uh, yeah from a, le- a landlord tenant uh, yeah right legal like, legal standpoint yeah
1: yep yep so I, I you know, n- not to mention i was I was getting tired of that routine because, as the people on this call who have been landlords know it it can be a bit of a grind some months, right some months there's nothing to do other than cash rent checks, but other months you, you know it feels like a part-time or even a full-time job for a few weeks there if you're you know, fixing hot water tanks and going shopping for washers and dryers on Kijiji and interviewing, you know, new tenants and taking them through showings and blah, blah, blah. Right. It, it, it can be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I, I really was searching for, well, what are the other options for investing? Uh, it's specifically in real estate, but I was looking into all sorts of different avenues. Um, where I don't have to have this, so I tried some stocks. After the big crash, Warren Buffett called it the you know the stock purchasing opportunity of a lifetime. So, I went into some stocks. I tried some private lending. I got into some funds. I did mix. I did REITs. I did rent to own. I, I you know if, if there's a a way to invest in real estate, I've probably tried it, and what I found was none of them were as lucrative as good old investment properties, right? I, I could not make the kinds of returns consistently that I had been able to produce investing in, uh, in properties. And then in I terms of, in terms of condos,
0: in terms of owning the asset, you mean, Yeah, exactly. you, like you said you're investing in real estate, uh, in different means and through different channels, but direct ownership of, of the asset versus, indirect or, or other ways of participating, you mean?
1: Yep. And the biggest reason is because, of course, when you buy a property, if, if when you do it correctly, you've got leverage. And all those other things I mentioned, funds and mix and private lending and stocks and all that, typically you don't have access to leverage, right? Mm-hmm. You're not putting 20% down. You're putting 100% down. <laughs> yep. And so if it goes up by 5%, you're making 5%. Yep. That's it. Why, so
0: Why do you think that like for us as experienced real estate investors and a lot of people listening to this right now as experienced real estate investors, but for those who are listening who have not invested yet or those who are thinking about family and friends who have not invested yet, why is this concept of leverage, while it's so fundamental and almost magical to us as and people who've done it, why is it such a hard concept do you think for for the general public to to get or to you know to not take advantage of do you know what i mean like it just seems I like I
1: do totally a, i mean it's a
0: subject that keeps coming up and, and it's yep. like you you say it to some people and it's like it just goes over their head and it's like you got to understand this like this is the this is the beauty of it all you know yep. if there's if you I, could just um, point to one reason why it's
1: this <laughs> between between leverage and compound interest you know i i refer yeah. to those as the ninth wonders of the world right like they yeah. it, it's it's truly magical like you said so i think one of the things is and every time i hear this I, I i get angry like of course you know the financial advisors and the people working at the bank and the people in the financial industry they love to quote this this uh you know rhetoric of well, if you look at the average um, appreciation rates of property over the last 25 years, it's only been three to five percent, whereas stocks have gone up six to nine percent. So um, you know obviously stocks are better. Right. And this has been repeated and indoctrinated so yeah. many times yeah. that people just get this stuck in their head, and they don't you know maybe it's a fear of math. I don't know what it is, but people don't stop to realize that because of the leverage that you're getting, when a property goes up 5%, right? So here, I'll, make, I'll try and make the math as easy as possible. If I have 20% down on a property, that means that the bank has 80% down. Well, 20 times 5 is 100. So that's a factor of 5, right? So 20% down, factor of 5 to get to 100%. If the property goes up by 5%, that factor of five, five times five is 25. That means my money that I have in that property has gone up by 25%. So when you know these, these folks on the media are talking about, well, property has only gone up by 5%, the thing that seems to be missing is that that means your money has gone up by 25%. And I think you know, it's up to people like you and me and other investors to continue to to balance that rhetoric that the that, that's going on in the media with the financial industry pundits, and let people understand that that that's what's going on with the power of leverage. Your money is actually making five times as much as it would be if it was just in a stock or a mutual fund or even in a, a you know private lending or whatever, making five percent, right? So. Why that doesn't click with people? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe mm-hmm. we just have to keep repeating it over and over and over again, like what's going on in the media with you know why you should invest in stocks.
0: Yeah, I think it. Part of it maybe just goes to education. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something that's ever talked about in education growing up. Uh, it also, just as you have alluded to this, um, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing. If I don't know. This mantra of pay off your mortgage as soon as possible. Yep. Mortgage mortgages yep. are bad things. Debt is bad. Yep. Um, so it's just maybe somebody might understand. Oh yeah, leverage. I get it. Yeah, you you put in this, you get more out. That kind of I get the basic concept of leverage. But the other side of their brain, there's this loudspeaker blaring. Debt is bad. Yep. Mortgages are bad. Yep. Avoid at all costs. And it's like. And and that
1: was my dad, honestly, like that, you know, my dad was born around the depression. And of course, that's what he had pounded into his head as they watched, you know, family farms get foreclosed on and all the rest of it. But that's just it. That's 50 year old, you know, 70 year old thinking, Mm -hmm. right. And so you're absolutely right. I also have some friends who are in the financial industry who have quietly told me off the record that they get taught, you know, as soon as somebody brings up uh, real estate investing in, a, uh, you know, one of their uh, meetings, they're taught to say, oh, well, that's risky. You, you oh there's a lot of risk there. You know, what about this? And what about that? And that's, they're actually going to training sessions where they're being given scripts to share with the public when they sit down and have those meetings, because of course, they're not selling real estate investments. Therefore, they're not making any fees and commissions off of that. So they're trying to steer people away. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that combination of you said the lack of education and then, you know, two or three of these media messages that have been out there, pay off your mortgage, stay away from debt. Real estate is risky. And so, yeah, people automatically have this emotional response. They may intellectually understand the power of leverage, but they're yeah. having that emotional response. And yeah. that's, you know, the, the, the scientists have proven over and over again, we make our decisions based on the emotions going on in our brain, not the logic side of our brain.
0: Yeah. And that was, let's, let's go back maybe a little bit to another comment you said, which was very interesting. And, and, uh, was, was to say, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, my home, my home is my nest egg and, uh, I want to pay my mortgage off as fast as possible. You know, my dream is to be mortgage free. And then if I get that, I'm going to feel so great. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, and then, like you said, my retirement plan, that's my nest egg. I'm going to live off of that. Um, but as you said, they haven't, that doesn't, doesn't really make sense because, you know, that same person is you know, I've even had this conversation with somebody just yesterday. It's like they they paid off their house mortgage free, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. they're sitting on in, you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars of just pure equity, just sitting there. Yep. They are interested in investing, but they don't have any cash. So I'm trying to simply say to them, well, You're in an amazing position. You're in the driver's seat. Just take some. You don't have to take all of it. Just take some of the equity out of your house and put it to work. And it's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, no, no, no. I can't do that. No, no, no. That's my nest egg. That's my safety. That's my that's my feel good. That's my you know, warm, fuzzy. Uh, but like you said, that's counterintuitive because the reason why you're paying it off is so that you have this so-called nest egg later on in life. Well, that nest, you know, you have the nest egg is useless to you unless you're saying at some point later in life, you're going to take that money and do something with it or whatever, like, think it through. If you're going to do that later, when you're old, you know, when generally, as we age, we become more and more uh, risk averse, like you're going to be less and less likely to ever actually do what you say you're going to do with it, like do it now, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that missing piece is, they don't, They don't know, no one's ever shown them, they don't understand how to turn that nest egg into cash flow, because ultimately that's what we live off of. We don't live off of a nest egg. It's the equivalent I would say is having the goose that lays the golden eggs and never going and collecting any of the eggs because you're afraid to spend them, right? Like it, it makes no sense. So I've got this goose sitting in the barn and the goose can lay golden eggs, but I'm not collecting any of them. I'm not utilizing yeah. any of them, but I have this goose. Well, great. What, what good it's is like, that?
0: It's like protect the goose at all costs. You That's right. The, but put, don't, put don't ever, goose, don't ever the goose, utilize
1: the golden eggs,
0: put the goose in a locked room. Yep. You know, yeah. don't, don't, you know, don't let anybody ever touch it. No, it's like, exactly. I have a, it's no like, one can it's see like it. you no have one, the golden yeah, goose. Yeah. yeah. Golden goose is completely useless. It's just a locked in room.
1: Completely useless. Uh, you know, and, and now and again, you know, I, I am a math guy. So let's do a quick, uh, a little bit of quick math. So you gave the example, you know, someone has a, let's say a $700,000 house or something like that, right? So, so, and they probably didn't buy it for that, right? They might've bought it years ago. So let's say their mortgage is, is 1500 a month or even $2,000 a month. We'll do easy math. So they're, they now have gotten rid of a $2,000 a month payment. Well, that's a good thing. Obviously you want to lower your expenses. times 12 is $24,000 a month. So that's $24,000 less per month of expenses. But yeah, per year. But what if you took a half a million dollars of equity out of that house and you went and invested it somewhere and you learned the concepts of protection. And what if you even made 10% on your money, which by the way is my minimum return that that I, uh, before I'll even consider an investment would be 10%. But I know for a lot of people out there, 10% sounds like a lot. Well, half a million dollars at 10% is $50,000. So you're saving 24, but you could be making 50. And for a lot of us living, you know, an additional $50,000 coming in could probably pay a good portion of our expenses or or send the kids to school so people don't have to fret about that, you know, university costs or, or whatever. And the beauty of it is with the way Canadian law is with HELOCs and things like that, I don't even have to sell the asset to get access to that Mm -hmm. $500,000. I still have a $700,000 home that's going up in value every year, but I'm now accessing the golden eggs and getting those to work for me in order to pay for my lifestyle now. And, And again, that's where the magic, when that starts to click for people and they start to understand that, that's where the magic starts to happen. That's where everything starts to change. But as I said before, people are caught up in this, but I don't know where to put half a million dollars so that I'm not going to lose that money. And that's the fear that overrides them taking action. And it turns out, you know, like, interestingly enough, how do banks make money? Do they make money paying off their debts as fast as possible? No. They're looking for more and more and more places to put out debts, right? I mean, mortgage money is the largest yeah. source of profit for the banks in Canada. They have understood for many, many years that the more they put their money out and make interest yeah. on it, the more they're gonna grow. So they're the telling banks, us to pay yeah. off our mortgage, but yet their strategy is the complete opposite.
0: Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. They're
1: the ones making several billion dollars every quarter.
0: Yes. Yes. It's so brilliant. Yeah. When you, when you start realizing stuff like that, how like the banks, yeah. On the one hand, like you said, the banks are preaching to us, you know, to pay down your mortgage and here's four tips to how you can pay down your mortgage yep. faster and all this. Yep. And they're kind of playing into that. Real estate is risky. Don't do that. You yep. know, buy some in stocks with us. It's like, and then you open up, you know, so they're saying that to us, but then internally they're like,
1: They have a completely different
0: strategy. They're fever. Yeah, they're just like, it's like boiler room in there. And they're just like, if if money, if they have money that's sitting there, not invested, you know, they're losing their minds. Like, it's like, get it out, get it invested, get it moving. Money never stops. Right. And then on the other hand, they're telling us, no, no, no. Let your money stop. Let it, you've done your work. Let it sit there. Don't. Don't Tuck invest. It away. It's 35 Tuck it. Thirty-five years from now,
1: you know. Yeah. So here. Meanwhile, um, they're racing around went,
0: like crazy, and and just yeah, it's oh, like it's uh, a. I mean, there isn't a
1: week that goes by that I don't get a letter in the mail for you know another line of credit, another credit card, another this, another that, because yeah, the banks get it. So so let me share with you. This was um, this was a story that someone shared with me a few years ago, and after I was, I was like, oh, so that completely eliminates this myth that that uh, real estate is risky. So. I have a hundred thousand dollars. I walk into the bank and I say to the bank, hi, I have a hundred thousand dollars. How much will you give me to buy a piece of property? And you know, as long as I qualify and I meet all their criteria and all the rest of that sort of stuff, typically what they will go up to is 80% loan to value. So if I have a hundred thousand dollars, they will give me an additional 400,000 in the form of a mortgage and I can go out and buy a $500,000 property. Correct?
0: Sure. Yeah. Something like that. So yep.
1: a week later, I walk into the bank and I say, hi, I have $100,000. How much money will you give me to invest in stocks? And how much will they give you?
0: $100,000 minus fees. Nothing.
1: They, they won't give you anything. They'll probably <laughs> yeah. laugh at well, they'll you. They'll let and, you
0: buy 100000 worth of They will yeah, let yeah. you
1: buy exactly the amount of stocks right. with the money that you walked in with, mm-hmm. but they won't add to that. Now, some people in the audience will go, yes, I have leverage funds. Yeah, when you have a $5 million portfolio and you've been with a bank for 10 years and that sort of thing, then you will be able to get access to leverage. But any Joe Blow and Jane Doe off the street can walk in and as long as you meet the, the qualifying criteria, you can buy a rental property. And in fact, a couple years later, they'll let you do it again and again and again. So that is, I mean, and banks don't take unnecessary risks. So that made it 100% clear to me where they see the risk. They obviously see a lot less risk in somebody buying real estate than they do in somebody buying stocks because they're willing to add, you know, an additional $400,000 to my $100,000 in order to buy a property because they're clear that they're going to get their money back, but they're not clear on that when it comes to stock investing. So that to me eliminated that that uh, uh that risk conversation. It went right out the window when I realized that
0: so let's shift gears a bit and let's talk about yeah. let's talk about the real estate market in Toronto today um, how you see it uh as you're talking to your clients in particular you know again one of the people are we talked about fundamental things people are scared of why they don't invest but then it's usually people, what you know, obstacles are facing is, you know, the market and I don't, you know, the market is going to crash or uh, prices are too high. Um, you know, the, the best time to invest was, uh, you know, five, five years, years ago. ago, I should have done it and it's too late now. Like, uh, prices are going to crash kind of thing, whatever. So what's your take yep. on, what's your take on the Toronto real estate market today? Should, should people still be investing today or, are the good times just all behind us?
1: So the the funny thing about that comment that you have about you know, all the, you know the, and I hear this all the time too is oh the best time to invest was was five or six years ago. Well, guess what I heard five or six years ago when I was I was getting into pre-con condos in Toronto. I heard the exact same thing. Oh, you missed it already. The, the best time was five to six years ago. I've been hearing that for the 18 years that I've been investing in real estate. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, it is true. Obviously, if you look back, typically prices were almost always cheaper before and it's easy to point and say, Oh look, see, but the, the major gains have been now it's different now, blah, 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 which is, you know, like it, it you'll never take any action if that's always what you're focused on. Okay. So, You know, the first thing I'll I'll, I'll say is real estate, like anything else, does have its ups and downs. And we've seen that in the last few years in Toronto, right? For about two or three years there, it was going like hotcakes. And then things uh, corrected. I don't believe that there was a bubble and I don't believe that we're in a bubble now. But yes, things go up and things go down. Um, so you have to have a strategy. You have to have a plan. You have to use these foundational investing concepts that I talked about earlier that wealthy people have been using for centuries to understand how this works. And I'm not talking about trying to time the market. I, I don't believe in that in any way, shape, or form. But you know, Warren Buffett has a famous expression, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. Okay. So what is everybody right now? Everybody is fearful. Right. So if I'm going to listen to Warren Buffett, possibly the the greatest and most well-known investor in history, then I should be being greedy right now while others are being fearful. And there's all this talk about bubbles and the good times are over and all that sort of stuff, because what that means is there's less people out there for me to compete with for the great projects that are still available now. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that every single project out there is amazing and wonderful, and you're going to make money on it. I still believe that you got to separate the wheat from the chaff, and I have a process to do that, which is, you know, what I'm, I'm teaching people as well and sharing with them how do I identify the top five percent projects out there that I believe are going to make money, and how do I very quickly dismiss the, the, the noise, the other projects where it's like, no, I, I, I you know that that ship has already sailed, or I don't think it's going to do as well, or it's not in an area that I'm interested, whatever. I have a process for doing that, so it makes it easy. Now, to answer your overall question, you know, it's, it's bottom line economics. More people continue to move to this province than leave. More businesses continue to open up. We are very fortunate to live in Ontario, and especially in the GTA, where, you know, every single year, the number of immigrants that move here blows away the government's predictions, right? And you see more and more people moving. Um, I recently just posted uh, in social media, uh, Treb is saying that, you know, uh, the, the last 12 months was an 11% gain in the real estate market in, in Toronto. And they're predicting that this next 12 months is probably going to be 10%. Well, you know, the example I gave earlier was if real estate did 5%, you'd make a 25% return. If it does 10% times a factor of five, that's a 50% return. Okay. Now, is all real estate going to go up by 10? No, but that gives a pretty good indication of what I think about the real estate market going forward. Um, Friends and mentors of mine are always putting out studies and reports and all that that show that, relatively speaking, to the other major cities across the world that Toronto compares with, Toronto is dirt cheap. We are at the, at the, the cheap end of the spectrum. Now, I know that for a lot of people, they're like, what? Cheap? What are you, crazy? Your housing has gone up. Yes, I understand that. I'm saying, relatively speaking to the London's, the Tokyo's, the, the, the LA's, you know, other comparable cities, metropolitan cities like Toronto across the world, we still have very, very cheap real estate. And that's exactly why so many foreign investors, they see what, what's going on here and they're like, I'll take 10 units. And they don't even have to put tenants in them. They don't even have to fill them. They're, they're quite happy to just let them sit empty because they understand that we still have cheap real estate compared to other places in the world, so you know all these economic factors. What I see going on, the fact that I'm very picky about the projects that I will go into, I sleep at night with the investments that I have and continuing to invest in the GTA marketplace because of this sort of uh, uh, information that that uh, that I'm aware of.
0: Now, there's lots of different ways to invest in real estate. As you've alluded to some of them, and you've had experience in a lot of them yourself personally what um you know what what is it about pre construction condos specifically that um that you find so attractive personally and that you uh you know you help your clients with as well,
1: yeah so As I said earlier, you know, when I got here, I realized I didn't really want to become a landlord and I didn't think it was it was such a great idea based on the laws. Um, But I couldn't find anything else that that, you know, offered the same sort of potential returns. And then I heard about pre-con condos and it wasn't popular in Alberta. So it wasn't until I moved here that I really started to hear about it. Alberta is just a different marketplace. It's starting to pick up a little bit there more now, but not 15 years ago when I lived there. So I started looking into pre-con condos and a light bulb went off. You mean I can enjoy leveraged depreciation of real estate without having to actually own anything or doing any work for the first four to six years. I I can still potentially make 20 to 25% uh, uh, returns and I don't have to deal with the three Ts, tenants, toilets, and turnover (laughs) most of the time. Like, it was like a dream come true. It was like chocolate and peanut butter were put together again. You know, I I was flabbergasted (laughs) that this was possible. Mm -hmm. And then I also learned that, um, you know, a lot of these builders will offer rental guarantees for the first one to two years. I'm like, so I can even close on the property and still not have any risk or any work to do? And so I was sold. Right, it, it was the, the merging of the, the two things I was looking for. I wasn't going to have the headaches. I wasn't going to have all the work of being a landlord. And yet I was still going to be able to enjoy those leverage compounded returns. You know, obviously because of the kind of market we were in here in the GTA, that's not available everywhere, um, but you still get leverage everywhere. So even, you know, if you were making 15% per year, is that going to make you happy? It's pretty tough to find 15% these days. So when I ran the numbers 6 years ago, I was looking at, you know, 20 to 25% is what I could make. It turned out I did even way better than that because of what happened in the in the Toronto real estate market over the next 3 to 4 years, but I would have been ecstatic to have made that 20
0: to 25%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously yeah, the 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 last 5 years the returns have been far above normal um yep. historically speaking. However, as you said, I mean If you take a broader approach, if you zoom it out further, you look at uh, the condo market over the last 20, 30, 40 years, even, well, the condo market's really only about 30 years old, really. Um, Yeah. But uh, even when you zoom it out that far and you take out the exceptional gains we've seen in the last, you know, three, four, five years, you're still, as you said, it's,
1: It's It's still a
0: very lucrative. It's hard, yeah. It's hard to get less than ten percent if you sort of know a little bit what you're doing. You take a, a a thoughtful approach. You get you know good counsel and you make good decisions, and you have a you know a minimum, you know, five to seven year time horizon, it's very hard, I always say, to make less than 10% returns. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. (laughs) I mean, uh, as you, you know, the the, the national average over the last 30 years for condos in in Canada has been about 3% appreciation. Well, again, with a factor of five, that's a 15% return. Mm -hmm. So that would mean that we would have to do below the average here in Toronto for the next six or seven years for you to be making only 10% on on your money and for practically doing nothing on a daily basis right i I, if anybody else can find me an investment that offers that with the same you know the the other advantages that come with real estate i'd love to hear about it
0: absolutely yeah well said so um which leads us to your course you have a course that you are uh teaching your clients uh, how to do this? How to do what you've done in terms of um, your approach to investing, specifically in pre-construction condos? And I think it's such an awesome idea. Um, so tell us about this uh, this course, and and uh, people are interested. What uh, what should they do?
1: Well, you you hit the nail on the head a couple of sentences ago, Andrew. You were talking about you know doing it correctly, getting some good advice, understanding, having a process for it, right? You were describing exactly what basically I'm offering people in the program that I'm running, which is is called how to double your money buying pre-construction condos. It's it's pretty obvious what, uh, you know, what I'm doing here. So, you know, on my condo investment journey, it was clear that there were very few experienced mentors and people out there to teach me how to do it correctly so that I would make money. I, you know, I went to the seminars and the, and the evening presentations and, almost everything involved a pitch and was basically just try, somebody trying to sell me something, mm-hmm. which I'm clear on is still valuable, but it's not just objective learning, right? they they have an agenda there. It's difficult for, uh, for me to completely trust everything they're saying when it's honing in on, and I'm going to sell you a project at the end. And I wanted to learn to avoid making rookie mistakes when you're investing, you know, between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars of your own money. I'm not interested in rookie mistakes. So over these past six years that I've been doing this. And then, you know, the 10 years before that as a real estate investor in general, I've learned a lot of things. I I've, I'm very good at creating processes, repeatable, successful processes. So I created this program to basically teach people exactly what I've done to be successful, uh, buying and selling pre con condos. And I don't have a project to sell them in at the end, right there. I, I I'm not, pushing a particular project, there's nothing else for me to uh, to sell in that sense. The focus is empowering and educating where people can learn from an experienced investor, which I think, you know, I always have wanted a mentor. I know there's a lot of people listening right now that have been looking for a mentor. And you can use this knowledge whether you're purchasing one unit or you're going out and purchasing 10. So it's the, you know, teach a person how to fish, not just offer them one fish, right? And And honestly, Andrew, I think this is why you and I, hit it off when we met in the, in the summertime, you know, as I've gotten to know you and, and listened to your podcast and seen your style, it was clear to me that you're also uh, uh, passionate about empowering your network and educating them. And that, that is very important to you. And, and that's why I love what you're doing around this and why I was excited to be on your podcast. And like I said, why I think you and I connected now, you're a realtor and obviously you do have projects to sell, but it's obvious to me that that's not your only priority and you know you are uh, as much about education and empowerment as i am and and i just i i really really appreciate that so yeah i'm i'm about to get started with the next group of lucky people that want to learn how to protect the money that they're starting with so they don't have to make an eighty thousand dollar rookie mistake how to choose those top 5% unicorn projects that have helped me triple and quadruple my money over the past six years and get a backstage pass to find out what successful investors, realtors, and builders know that 99.9% of the people buying pre-con condos don't know and it can hurt you to not know. So, so, you know, that's, um, I actually had a woman who called me like two weeks ago. And she told me a story about she bought a condo, but then in the 10-day cooling off period, she freaked out because she realized she didn't know if this was a good project. She didn't know if this was a good deal, a good builder, and she felt completely exposed and at risk. So she canceled in the 10-day in the cooling off period. She, she got her checks back and canceled the deal. When I told her what I was offering in the program, she's like, that's what I need to feel confident and be able to go back and actually you know, complete the sale the next time the next project comes up. Uh, it was that confidence. It was that process—a proven process. Being able to ask questions of somebody who's done it before—that's that's you know why I created this program. And quite honestly, it was because I was taking somebody else through it in my coaching, and they're like, you know, you should create a program about this. I think there's lots of people out there who want to buy pre-con condos and have no idea how to do it, and so that's what I did.
0: That's great, and yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea, and and. Uh... Just from chatting with you, uh, we we've you've already helped a lot of people with this with this program, and you're refining it, and it's continues to get better. So if people want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about this specifically, what's involved, the investment involved for them and everything else what's uh, what's the best way for them to to get more information? And also, I think you want to offer listeners to the podcast as well a little little bonus as well. so
1: yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that, right? I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, rewarding people for taking action. So, um, you know, I have my coaching company, Next Level Success Coaching, and, and people search on my name, they'll find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm sure you'll include that in the show notes. Uh, my cell is 647-802-4769, and uh, that's my, you know, business line. So people can text me or give me a call and leave me a voicemail. I, I'm always answering that. My email is Brian B, and that's Brian spelt with an I. So, Brian B at N, as in Nancy, NLScoaching.com. So, Brian B at NLScoaching.com, which again, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Fire me an email, send me a text. uh, If I know, and and make sure you mention that you heard uh, uh, on the True Condo podcast and um what i want to offer people today is you know if they enroll and and uh and pay for the course i'm going to offer a bonus for the uh, for the folks listening of a a one-on-one call with me so normally when people come into the program it's it's a group program we're going through it it's 12 weeks you know we're on zoom calls and we've got assignments and all that but i also understand that the one-on-one People creating their specific plan—that's important. So, so that's a bonus that is not available to the general public. Finding me that I'd like to make available to uh, uh, to these folks is they would also have that one-hour uh, one-on-one call with me, uh, where they can really customize their plan and, and you know and just accelerate that uh, that ability. And um, the group that I'm just winding up with, uh, half the people have gone out and pulled the trigger and bought a unit. And we still have two calls left, so I continue to tell them, like, guys, we haven't finished the program yet, but the confidence <laughs> level is through the right. roof. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they finally have a process for being able to do this. So that's really exciting for me to see that, you know, they're taking action and they're getting the results that they wanted, which was to go out and get that unit and feel confident about that. And I'm excited for the next group of people that are going to be in the program, some of which may be listening on this call, who are also going to have that opportunity.
0: Awesome. Great. Yeah. Excellent idea. Um, love the, love the course concept that you're, you're bringing your knowledge. Um, and, and as you said, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of content out there, uh, this podcast included, but there is not that same, um, perspective from somebody, as you said, you're, you are not a realtor, you're not a developer, you're not selling condos, but, uh, you are, you're coming at it from somebody, an experienced investor who's done it and who has been successful at it and you're coaching other people how to do what you have done yourself. So um, kudos to you for that. And it's a great idea. And yeah, so everybody listening, if you want to reach out to Brian, learn more. um, He mentioned his phone number and email there. Um, You can go back and, and grab that and you can also find it on the show notes for this episode, of course, too, which always show notes for every episode, true condos.com slash podcast. Brian, thank you so much um, for your time today. And we hope to have you again on the show soon.
1: Uh, Thank you, Andrew. I I really appreciate being here. And I also really appreciate that, you know, you were a part of my first pilot program that I did with this. And I I definitely want you to be part of that in the, in the future as well. So thank you for, you know, sharing your wisdom and experience. and, And I love collaborating with, uh, Uh, with you on this type of stuff so we can educate and empower even more people about this amazing opportunity that's out there right now.
0: Awesome. Love it. Great. Thanks, Brian.
1: Take care, man. Thanks for listening to the True Condos podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.